just that heart, the heart that's the courage just to, to stand up for what we believe, Lord, so we can see healings take place, physical healings, Lord, spiritual healings, just emotional healings. Lord, it's my prayer that we would just break down walls today. break down those things that just bind us like Pat talked about a couple weeks ago about the elephant that grows up you know but he remembers what it was like when he was young when he was tied to a tree with a big steel shackle and a great big chain and he pulls on it every day and he keeps pulling on it and pulling on it and finally they've got him trained to to realize the shackles, all that's holding them down. So instead of keeping the chain on them, they trade it in for a piece of twine. And they drive a two-inch stick into the ground. And however heavy an elephant is, it's tied down to that. It's tied down to a, a twine and a stick. But he thinks he's captured. He thinks he's he's held back because all he can remember is the shackle, the weight that's on his foot. Sometimes as Christians, that's how we live. And that's what we don't need to live like. So today is a day that we get to worship you here, but it just doesn't stop in these walls. out, goes out in the world. Lord, we're going to pray for our offering right now too. What if I were to tell you that God isn't interested in your money? He's not interested in your 10%. You think God needs your 10%? I'll tell you what he's interested in though. He's interested in 100% of your heart. The word says that he loves a cheerful giver. Somebody that gives out of the abundance of their heart. He doesn't want you to... I I was reading a book. It talked about a badge of courage, you know. That's actually a good book. But they also talked about a badge of honor and how giving felt like they had a badge of honor that they could parade around in. But they missed the whole point. It wasn't the amount that they were given. It was how they gave it and where it came from. You know, Jesus, he was into multiplying. He multiplied fish bread, but he multiplied souls to be saved. He multiplied disciples and apostles. That's what he's into. He's into multiplication. So Lord, as we we give today, Lord, I just pray that you would just multiply it. Multiply it to meet our needs so we can meet other people's needs, Lord. Have people give out of uh, an abundance of their heart where it's just honest and it's just real. Have them know that they do that cheerfully is more pleasing to you than doing it out of necessity or or the shackle that may hold them down, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that, that just multiply it. In Jesus' name.
It's like a Pastor Jim moment right there. How about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what always happens with this stuff. The devil is just trying to stop it. Where's the mime? We need a mime. Kristen, you want to be the mime? No? Dismissed from drama school with a note that read, wasting her time, but she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca recording company who said, we don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent, at 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, Guess what we're going to preach about today? <laughs> yeah. I was more nervous uh, today about that than anything. Because it's the first time I've ever ran uh, anything off the computer. So, we're just going to start. So, uh, Lord, I'm gonna, just going to pray real quick. Just uh, Luke 12, 12 again. I love it that it says for us not to worry. That at the right time, he's going to get the Holy Spirit's going to give me the right words to say, and I pray that you would just uh, fulfill your scripture again in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so going to talk about failures and uh, triumphs, um, and you know some really interesting things there. I can relate to all of them, um, although you know those are like the grand ones, the ones that everybody knows about because they're so uh, well known. Um, but all you guys are the same way, though, whether it's failures or successes, it's just on maybe on different um, uh, different levels. Uh, definitely as far as famous goes, you know. I mean, all my failures and uh, successes are usually not as documented as that. So, all right. Need some room to spread out here. So I was watching a, uh, a show the other day, and a lady had a passion. And um, it was baking. That's what she wanted to do. So she started baking, you know, a lot. She got really good at what she was doing. And uh, she decided that she was going to go into business for herself, you know. And I can certainly appreciate that because, uh, you know, I have a small business myself. So uh, she ventures out into it. She borrows a couple hundred thousand startup money, buys a place on a really nice strip of of a highway where people see her. And uh, she goes into business. And after a full calendar year, she hadn't paid back any of the 200000 that she borrowed from a relative. And the previous month, she lost $21,000. So she was really in a hurt right there. Luckily, the people that she borrowed from weren't on her door every day. You know, If it would have been a bank, they would have been. Uh, so... Uh, in steps a small business fixer-upper 
you know. And he comes armed, though. He, he's got a financial advisor with him. He has a design specialist with him. And he has a marketing guru with him, too. So he comes in, and he notices a few things right off the bat. The first thing he notices is she's selling all this, these packages of baked goods, and she doesn't have a, a label on it. So nobody, or nothing to say who she is and what she does. Uh, the other thing, too, is that um, she's marketing in a really, really small niche, but her food tastes great. And the crazy thing is it was a, a gluten-free bakery. So for people that have diet issues, uh, this is a place they could go, and the gluten wouldn't affect them in a negative way. Um, but that's how she was advertising her business was it was gluten-free. Now, anybody ever ate anything that's gluten-free? Yeah, us, our family has because of Bailey, the greens too. You know, for the most part, part it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it is not great, uh, you know. But if it's cooked correctly, it is good. I mean, whether it's noodles or whatever it is, or even pizza, you know. I mean, so anyway, so that was one thing that this business had going for it was it was it was a great bakery, it tasted good. So um, so they decided that they were going to sit down with this lady. That's where it gets good. She says uh, they tell her that she's on the brink of bankruptcy, and um, at the current rate, she'll be done next month if she doesn't do something drastic. So then they have to break the news to her, not only about that, but they also have to give her a whole new business plan. So I love it, though, because she goes through all these different emotions as this guy's telling her how lousy her business is. She goes through, first she's defensive, and then she's offensive. And then she goes into like a non-confident type thing, you know, where she's unsure of what the heck this guy's telling her. But and then it finally comes back around, and then she's receptive, kind of. And then in the end, she's triumphant, too. So, um, you know, and, and that's what God's really been talking to me about the last uh, three or four weeks. You know, I've been looking a lot at uh, refinement, you know. Um, refining is a really interesting process. Um, you know, and I think God puts us through a refining process, whether it's in relationships uh, whether it's in just our walk with God, uh, whether it's uh, financial, whether it's it's uh, spiritual or physical sickness, whatever it is. You know, he's always refining us. Um, but I love that she went through all these, these emotions, embarrassment and hurt and anger and sorrow uh, and joy. But it, when she came out on the other side, she was stronger. And because of that, it was worth it. Um, so I want to read uh, Romans 12, 2. So everybody's got their Bibles, whoever does. Go to Romans 12, 2. I'm going to read the message version, which a lot of you guys probably don't have with you, but I'm going to read it anyways. So it says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's what I like. This is what it took for her. She had to be changed from the inside out. For her to be successful, it had to be a whole different way of thinking for her. And I love that. A couple weeks ago, in the, you know, Pat's been talking about forgiveness. And a lot of that is that transformation of the mind, you know. And we're in our e-group, or we were, I was with the youth kids. And Pat, when he's talking about that, he always puts his hand on his head like this. Trans- like, give you the visual that you have to change your mind, right? So here, here it's te- the Word of God's telling you that, right? 
It says, um, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of its immaturity. Instead, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. So God's going to develop that in you. You know, he's going to fix you from the inside out. I thought one of the most interesting emotions that she had for me is the anger. You know, I talked about the why me God story, right? Hers was, who are you to tell me how to do my business, right? That was that was her anger. And she was really, and she was one of those sneaky anger, how, what do they call it, um, passive aggressive, <laughs> you know, really quiet, but she was hard as nails, I'm telling you. And I can relate to that. I mean, I don't know where she's at with her walk, where she stands with God, but I can relate to that part of it. You know, who are you to tell me how to fix what I've already broken? Um, But I think God, I know God wants to refine you. He wants all your impurities to come out. And it's going to be on different, different things, different emotions, different situations that you may be into. Um, I like, though, when it, the refining process starts, though, it's, it's, uh, some of them are really easy to get out. Those are the ones that, when you look at them, they're not that ugly, you know. You know, they, they don't make you want to throw up, you know. You can look at them and say, well, I'm glad that that's gone. Like, for me, it was music, you know. I think I might have told you guys that when I, before I got saved, I wanted my, my new big work truck, you know, and I got it. And the first thing I was going to go do is go buy a Limp Biscuit CD. You know, anybody ever listen to them? It's not a good good one for your kids to listen to, much less your adult friends. <laughs> so so I got saved right before I got my truck, so no Limp biscuit CD, right? So that was an easy one for me. To, and then I realized, you know, the whole garbage thing, garbage, or garbage in, garbage out thing too. You know, so I set that off to the side, and I, and I knew music was an easy avenue for me, and I needed just to to channel myself towards God. So that was an easy one. But some of them are flat-out ugly. And they're cold. They're callous. They're putrid. You know, they just have a spirit on them that really, really has to come out. Um, When I was going through all the different scriptures, there's a lot of different scriptures that talk about, you know, your wine should be aged. You know, again, a a, um, uh, kind of a pure, you know, a refining process is the age wine. But also, you know, they talk a lot in the Bible about uh, just uh, silversmiths uh, and gold and the process that that takes. And I love this one. Uh, Proverbs 25.4. We're just going to do the first part of it. It says, remove impurities from the silver and the silversmith can craft a fine chalice. You know, that silversmith is God. Right? He needs to get to that purest form so you guys can be ready for God's best. And he's always working on you with that. Um, I love that once he does remove the impurities out of that silver, there's no corrosion and there's no weakness. You know, So he's constantly shaping you. And then once that's removed, then the silversmith can go through and do something that's gorgeous that's going to last a long time. I mean, got to work with an impure item for so long, right? But it can't be the best that it can be if it's not pure. Uh, Fortunately, you know, God gives us a great way to become pure. And I'll get to that in a minute. But um, 
I wrote down here, um, it's ready to be the best that it can be once the impurities are gone. And what it also yearns to be, you know, a piece of silver that's dirty just wants to be a clean piece of silver. And isn't that what God wants you to be? The way to achieve it, though, is through heat. You know, over 3,000 degrees to boil silver. It melts at like 1,700 degrees, right? So what kind of heat will it require for your impurities to come out? And, you know, when you're fighting against it, it requires more heat. I mean, I'm telling you that because I know. Because this is what I live. (laughs) You know, I always talk about being relevant, how the Bible's got to be relevant. You know, Sarah and I got in a conversation about how it's got to walk. And, you know, it just has to has to be relevant, you know. So for me, it requires sometimes in some avenues, it requires a lot of heat. And other times, it's not so much. Um, so going back to the baker, she had to be told first she was a failure. So I don't want you guys, like at the end of this, to run around and say, hey, you're a failure. <laughs> That's not the point, right? But she had to be told that she was a failure at this part of her life, at this business part. And this is the most important thing. She had to accept that she was a failure at that part of her life. She had to own it right there. But then she had to be able to walk it out. As a Christian, I can relate to that too. Um, you know, because we were born sinful. You know, thanks to Adam and Eve and God's crazy plan. You know, we were born sinful. So we were born impure uh, right there. Um, failures, so to speak, because we are born impure. Um, but, you know, how are we made perfect? We're made perfect through Christ's blood. He died for us on a cross to wash us all clean, to get rid of the perfect, or imperfections, to boil out, uh, the Bible calls it dross, the imperfection, D-R-O-S-S, to boil out the dross that's in our lives, the sin that overtakes us from just coming out of the womb. It's hard to look at a little baby that's, brand spanking new like Christus and think that there's sin right there. You know, it's really hard. I mean, I remember looking at my kids, you know. It's just hard to believe. But it's there. And it's inevitable. But praise God that we have Christ that hung on a cross and died for us. Rose from the dead. And all we have to do is accept His word. And we're saved. We're made pure. Um, But it's something we also have to work at. And we constantly have to work at it. So um, another scripture I want to share with you that God really, really um, put on my heart to share is First Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-two, and it's at NIV. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that's the first step: purifying yourselves by obeying the truth, accepting Christ as your Savior, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. I love that because. When you accept Christ, now you have to, oh, this is a tough one, forgive. You know, Paul and April and I, we had some great conversation at Eager, just talking about forgiveness and what, what that really is and how some of the forgiveness that holds us back is so small, you know, compared to other people's forgiveness, you know. But it's funny how we can elevate the small stuff to the big stuff, and then it's all on the same playing field, you know. So, um, you know, so it says, obeying the truth so you have sincere love for your brothers. And this is my favorite part. 
one or love one another deeply from the heart. Just like when I prayed for our offering, you know, God doesn't want your money. He just wants you. He wants your heart. He wants you to love each other deeply. He wants you to understand what he's about, if you can. You know, uh, another thing I always like to say about the Bible is, it's so easy, but it's so complex. You know, you can make it what you want it to be. But he just wants your heart. That's what he wants. He wants you to love each other in that fashion. Um, you know, it starts in the, in the, uh, in kind of the, the identifying those impurities that are around you, you know. Um, and a lot of you guys will be familiar with them because I'm familiar with them. So I just kind of jotted down a few of these. You know, I put down laziness. That's a good one, you know. But, you know, could you, you know, a lot of people, they think laziness, uh, it's just work-related. Well, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not. What about laziness and finances? How about uh, laziness and relationships? Like uh, respecting your wife and your kids. Um, you know, Kristen's smiling back there. That's what it always happens, you know, whenever I get to speak, you know, we usually have the day before, the morning of, you know, we always have some type of an argument, you know. And it's the point that usually I'm not listening that well. <laughs> you know, that's about 90% of the deal. But what about laziness and the relation with your with God? How about reading, reading the Word? Being infilled so you can go in the world and outfill people, you know. You have to be prepared. Um... How about a lack of compassion? Um, I'm kind of a, used to be more of a one and, ton, one and done guy. We took this class, you know, and they had us uh, fill out all this. These, oh, you'd love this, Paul. They get to analyze you, you know, and I never had anybody analyze me before in my life. You know? So they get down to this compassion section. There's like 50 questions, you know, and I scored, I scored a two. Me, you guys know Dave, you guys know Dave Macklin. Dave Macklin was the other. He scored a two. We're like, hey, I think we're tops the class. Well, good was like thirty. Yeah. So, and I'm like, man, you know. So one and done guy, you know, the whole compassion thing. I love you to death, man, but you just got to do something. You know what I mean? So I think even right now, you know, it kind of kills me when people don't do anything. But anyways, but compassion, you know, you. And he's, he's always working on that one with me, right? Anyway, so compassion. What about uh, what we see, hear, and taste? You know, taken into accountants, um, what you see on your computer. I mean, whether it's pornography, whether it's, whether it's getting a Victoria's Secrets catalog in the mail. You know, whether it's uh, what you load into your ears. I mean... Lady Gaga, come on, you know, I mean, I mean, come on, it's these things though, and it might sound funny, but I guarantee you, you guys that maybe um, have been exposed to the ACDCs and the Motley Crue and, um, oh my gosh, man, I, I could go on and on, LL Cool J, but back before, you know, uh, Kumo D, I mean, all these guys, you know, I mean, oh, and I, oh, just... Just bad. I mean, the th- and so here's the thing, though. So I've been a Christian now for nine years, right? Or eight and a half, nine, whatever. And as soon as I hear, like, two beats, I am right back into the song that I memorized 25 years ago. 
So, yeah, if Cedric knows. I mean, any musician will know that for sure. So that's what I'm talking about. It's the garbage in, garbage out stuff. Uh, how about what you taste? I mean, you know, the Bible talks about wine a lot, but it also tells you not to alter your mind. So, you know, you have to, you know, it says to drink uh, in celebration. But you always have to fall back on the, don't alter your mind. So have the glass of champagne, just don't have 20 of them in an hour, you know. Um, so it, it's those things. How about uh, sickness, whether it's physical or it's emotional or if it's mental, it's spiritual. Those are the impurities that he wants to, to, to get out so he can refine you. Forgiveness issues, I mean, we've had a whole series on that. That's a big deal. And it's a huge deal. It's a stumbling block for a lot of people. And more importantly, it's a blockade that causes God not to, not to do everything he can in your situation. You know, so you guys need to release that too. So when I picture like the, um, the refining process, you know, I'm a stonemason by trade. You know, that's what I do. I swing a hammer every day. Um, it's really easy for me to have a visual picture of sand. Sand is really important in what I do. You know, it's not the stone, and it's not the brick, it's not the block. It's actually the sand in the mortar. If the mortar, or if the sand in the mortar is, if there's too much sand, it's going to be weak. You know, it'll have so much sand that it'll actually crumble out. The cement that's in there will be overpowered by the sand. Um, but if it's the other way, if there's too much cement... It'll be really hard, but it'll be brittle because there's not enough sand in it. Or if the sand is too big, really hard to work a good joint or to get a tight joint if it's too big. So if the sand is off just a little bit and how it's made, it can throw the whole job off. It can make a job that should take eight hours. It could make it take 12 hours because you're constantly working against the very thing that you need to make it structural, to make it strong. Right, so that's when I that's what when I that's my visual. I see them straining and, and, and sifting, getting it finer and finer and finer and finer until it's finally right there. And when it's the right thickness and the right size, it still needs to be added though into the cement to have it be the right product. And that's how God is. I'm telling you, He gets you guys sifted, sifted in the heat. You know, he's, he's constantly firing you. So when you finally get a hold of that one, you're effective in another section of your life. Or better yet, you know, just like that scripture, love your brother deeply, you're able to help somebody else out. So it's not all about you, it's about others, right? So um, so I, I want to share a story with you guys. This is, this is a, a funny one, I think. Um, you know, I like to hunt, so I like to kill things. Most of you guys know that, you know. So, you know, I have a story that's related to it. It's not so much about the killing part, but it actually has a point. So my buddy Dale, uh, Shane's going to enjoy this. This is a good one. So my buddy Dale has this gun. He has a browning, you know. And I have a browning too, but this browning <laughs> isn't so nice. It's great. Every time I see it, I love that gun because I'll get like ten shots and Dale will get two because Dale's gun will fall apart, undoubtedly. 
trigger will fall apart, spring will pop out. Every time he pulls up, I can about half the time I look over and something goes flying out. So he sits in the blind a lot like this, trying to get everything back together. So we were on Lake Panema one day, and it was uh, not this year, but the year before. And it was just when the first ice started coming, and so it was a perfect day. And it was rainy, it was overcast, it was nasty. Shane had to work, you know, so it was just Dale and I. And sure enough, he's there messing around with his gun, and I look out, and I see these two ducks come by. And there's like ducks that fly 100 miles an hour. And two of those ducks are coming, and they're about 30 yards out. And it was all my shot, and I jump up, boom, boom, two shots, and I splashed them both. And Dale's like, that's the best shooting I've seen ever. So, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good, you know. About 10 minutes later, here's Dale still working on his gun, and I look up, and here comes three fat mallards. You know, these mechanzers are just really small. They only weigh like a pound and a half. Uh, Mallards twice that size. They're like three pounds, right? So these can come booking in, and they're flying right at me. 10, 15 yards away, all three shots. Boom, boom, boom. Missed every one of them. And he looked over at me and goes, followed by the worst three shots I've ever seen. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, you just never know, right? The whole life and risk, you know, to live and fail. Um, you know, every time I put my gun to my shoulder, I don't expect to miss. Gary will tell you. Missing doesn't enter your mind or else you would not waste a dollar shell. Right? I mean, I expect to kill whether it's a target or a bird or a deer or whatever. You know, I expect to hit whatever I'm shooting at. Um, so, but I also know that failure is inevitable, that I'm going to miss. But I'm okay with that because I know, I know it's okay. So that's what I want you guys to be encouraged is that even though you may have failures... And it's expected. You can't see yourself as a failure. You know, uh, that's kind of a life thing with the kids. You know, we, we, we talk about that sort of stuff, where your passion is. You know, it's okay to take a chance. You know, one last story. Some of you guys might have heard it, but when I was a kid, I was like 12. It was one of the coolest things my dad probably ever said to me. I was playing in this championship ball game, you know, and we were getting drummed. I mean, we were, we were a 12- and 13-year-old team, and we were playing 14- and 15-year-olds. And that's a difference between, like, six-foot-two guys and me. <laughs> you know, I was, like, I was probably 4'8". No, it's hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm taller than that now, all you guys that are tall. But anyways, so, anyways, so uh, it was a rough game, you know. And we were getting beat. We needed every run we can. And so I get a single, and I know what's going to My dad's coaching third base, so I'm going. And so he sends me, so I get to second, stole that base. And everybody knows what I'm going to do. The, whole, the other team knows. I mean, I know it's going to be an outside pitch, an outside fastball, because the catcher's, catcher's coming. He's going to throw to third, but we had to have the run. So I lead off, I take off, and he throws it just outside the bag, and he hits me right about here, right in the back and shoulder and you know a 15 year old throwing a ball is a lot different than a 12 year old you know and it hurt me and I, I'm like oh my dad's looking at me first thing he says he says you're okay then he gets about that far from me and he says nobody else could hear he says it'd be really easy just to quit and 
strength and he just walks back you know where and he just stood there and I thought wow you know it would be that's how the devil is the devil just wants you to quit right he doesn't want you to dust yourself off stand back up and be prepared to try again he wants you to be under his foot he wants you to stay right there he doesn't want you to try anything new he doesn't want you to have a great bakery he doesn't want you to have a stone business he doesn't want you to have your own treatment center you know because he knows that there's a chance that you're going to do something good for somebody that you're going to succeed and God's word is going to go forth you know so that's where I would encourage you is just that so I'm going to read you read you read you scripture this is my last script well I got two more Eric I've got yours so so we're going to go to Hebrews 12 1 one of my favorite ones most of you guys will know this one. I'm going to read you the message because it's a little bit different. It's a little longer. What time we got? Oh, we're looking great. Oh my gosh. That is wrong. It says 120. Oh. I'm like, holy shit. That's even better. It's 1102. You guys are in for... I got lots more. <laughs> All right. So Hebrews 12.1. It says, uh, do you see what this means? says, all these pioneers who blazed the way before you. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Most of us will start kind of, if you guys know the scripture, you'll kind of pick out the common stuff. But both begin or I should say, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed and that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. He could put up with the cross, it says, with shame, whatever, it didn't matter. right? And now he's here, or there, I should say. Now he's there in the place of honor alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, when you find yourself questioning in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. The long litany of hostility he plowed through, and that'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. So I really like that, you know. It tells you to reflect. He doesn't tell you to live the moment again, though. He just tells you to reflect. You know, and he gives you examples, you know. More importantly, he says, keep your eye on Jesus, you know, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? That's what he tells us to do. I'm telling you the reason why he tells you to do that because of this. Uh, last Sunday we did, uh, did something in our youth class, you know. I gave the kids a proverb and a psalms, and it was all about heart issues, you know. And... Either I wrote it down wrong or Erica wrote it down wrong. I don't know. I'm going with probably me. My wife would probably tell you me. Probably would be me. So either way, she's like, Mr. Dickerson, you know, I don't know what you're trying to say. You know, I'm like, what are you reading? You know, and it was a really great scripture. And it was actually, it had a lot to do with what we talked about last week. But this is the reason why God wants to prepare you. And it's Psalms 23, or I'm sorry, Psalms 27, verses 3 and 4. 
And I love this right here. It says, when besieged. You guys know what a siege battle is, right? Big castle. You know, medieval times, it would be easy. You know, they surround the whole thing and then they just lob things. You know, big you know, catapult, rocks, you know, fire. But more importantly, they lay a siege around it and they try to starve out the enemy. So the beginning of the scripture says, when besieged. It doesn't say if besieged. I wish it did. You know, maybe I won't be one of those guys that gets besieged. <laughs> Instead, it says when besieged. I'm as calm as a baby, it says. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and I'm cool. I'm asking God for one thing and only one thing. To live with him in his house my whole life long. And I'm going to contemplate his beauty. And I love this. And I'll study at his feet. So when you guys are attacked, you know, you're able to fall back and realize, you know, if you fail, it's okay. You know, he, it's a bummer that he expects it from us, but it's a reality, you know. I'll tell you, though, that how you handle those failures and your triumphs is really what marks your character. I mean, really. It defines who you are. Um, so that's what, it, that's what it's about. So, you know, the impurities that need to come out, those the laziness, the, the spiritual whatever it is, you know, the sickness, you know, everything that encompasses that um, is something that we just need to get rid of. So we're going to just kind of take a break for a few minutes here, you know, and just I want you guys just to contemplate that. Maybe we can get Dave up here. Strum a little. I don't see Dave. Dave is not coming up here. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. No, I won't. <laughs> You're like your fingers on an easel. You want to grab one of those guys? That would be great. Cool. So I just want you guys to, you know, the Bible says that we're to meditate on His Word. You know, um, this is our altar right here, you guys. This stage. So if it's something that needs to be left at the altar and just just leave it. Come down and just leave it. Um, I was going to bring a garbage can and some five, three by five paper and have you guys write down what you need to, to get rid of and throw it in the garbage can. I really believe that seeing's believing. You know, I'm a sales guy, so I always remember that. You know, I can remember the teacher that taught me that. You know, seeing's believing. Once it's wrote down, it does become real. You know, it's important, like, um, you know, the Word of God, what if it was just passed on verbally? Would it be as believable? I mean, it, uh, Paul had a great example of that in one of his groups. You know, he'll start out with the Word. The next one says something else, unrelated or whatever, and by the time it gets back to him, he's like, that's not what I said. You know, it's a whole different word. You know, so you lose it in translation sometimes. Um so this is, this is going to be my challenge for the week and for the rest of your life, though. How about 1 John 3.18? It says, Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You know, that's all God wants. He wants us to show the truth. The truth, truth that's Jesus through our actions and that alone. If it means 
failing until you succeed. Whatever, whatever that is. You guys know what it is. So with that, I'm going to pray real quick. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you've given me the words to say that your spirit was here, Lord, and is here. Lord, I pray that um, people that do need to just just give up the impurities that, that separate them from, from your best, Lord. That you are the silversmith that's just waiting to shape them, to craft them into something just absolutely elegant and beautiful. Lord, I pray that we would just uh, not have the expectation, though, to fail. But if we do, we understand that it's just to make us stronger and to make us uh, just just remember. Just remember that that Jesus came and died for us, Lord, that that perfection that he gives us by taking all of our sin to the cross is the same thing that we can apply in our daily uh, failures or even our successes. And it's how we handle those things, Lord, that really, really defines us. And I just pray that you would uh, just remind people of that, that they would hold you dear to their heart and that, that same heart that they have in them is just beating for, for you and you alone. Father, we just thank you for just a, a glorious day. And we just release, just like our church model says, heaven on earth, Lord. In Jesus' name.